The OMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. Mirrodin Besieged is coming soon, and StarCityGames.com is your source for boxes, cases, fat packs, intro packs, complete sets, and singles. Head on over to StarCityGames.com and pre-order Mirrodin Besieged today. Welcome to episode 54 of Yo MTG Taps. I'm Joey Pasco on the line with Big Head Joe, as always, and uh, we've Hello. got we've got two special guests with us today. Uh, we've got our, our friend and Joe's roommate, Travis. Hello at Trilobite Hives on Twitter. That's right, Trilobite <laughs> Hives on Twitter, and then we've got uh, the uh, writer of our spreading cheese column on IWantMyMTG.com, our friend Noyan. Noyan, I can't pronounce your last name, so I'm just calling you Noyan. Yeah, just don't even try. Hi, guys. <laughs> so, the Turkish uh, tornado. Yeah, Turkish tornado. Exactly. Oh, we did, we did it. We did make that public, didn't we, just <laughs> <Yeah>. now? <laughs> Turkish no, tornado. Name. Noyan is the Turkish tornado. So uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Grand Prix Atlanta, which just happened this past weekend. And then we're going to go into some Mirrodin Besiege spoilers, which, of course, is uh, the hot topic right now. Um, let's just start right off on Grand Prix Atlanta. <laughs> The format was extended. In the top eight, we had three fairies decks, uh, Yay. two Valakit decks, Yay. <laughs> a Jun deck. Boo! Um, <laughs> Wait, what? A, a what, is, what is that? I've never heard of that deck before. Jun is that a new deck? Uh, yeah. Just you can Google it. You might find a couple things. Red, black, red, green, mid range. Exactly. Agro. Yeah. Mid range aggro, black, red, green. And then there was a uh, prismatic omen deck and a blue white control deck. Um, the uh, the winning deck was Prismatic Omen, played by Jason Ford, um, and uh, some of the other notable people in the top eight. Charles Gindy, who was a former U.S. national champion. He was the Jund pilot. Shame on him. Uh, <laughs> Christian Valenti, playing Valakit. Uh, Jody Keith was the blue-white control player. Um, ben Stark, also piloting Valakit. And then Ari Lax, John Runyon. And Owen Turtenwald, all playing fairies. And shame on all of them as well. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, yeah, Prismatic Omen and Valkyrie are different decks? Yeah, I know. That's 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 one of the things that I kind of feel like, uh, really, Prismatic Omen is just Valakit with Prismatic Omen in the deck. I mean, it is a, it is quite a different list. In fact, uh, looking at Ben Stark's Valakit list right now, it looks like a standard list. In fact, he's got Prismatic yeah. Omen in there. So I, I don't know what the difference is, why one is called Prismatic Omen. And the other isn't. He's got uh, because the prismatic omen deck is like blue green. Yeah, yeah. Then yay for that one, not for the valkyrie. <clears throat> yeah, I'm. I'm just saying. It just seems like it's it's such a similar strategy. Basically, prismatic omen doesn't play primeval titan. At least this list doesn't, and uh, and so that somehow makes it a prismatic omen deck. Now, uh, Christian Valenti's valakit list. He only plays one prismatic omen in the main deck, one in the sideboard. Uh, but I mean, they are. Quite similar uh, approaches, or they're they're the same strategy, slightly different approaches. But um, right. I think uh, some of the interesting things out of this weekend. Now, I know, I know this isn't something that uh, that everybody would be excited about, but for those of you who watched the coverage on GG's Live, the picture was crystal clear. Um, apparently, Rashad and crew they got some uh, hardware upgrades, and so the uh, the actual 
broadcast quality is fantastic. Now, I mean, that's that's exciting for me as as a viewer because now you know we can see the cards, but also as part of SCG Live. Now, yeah, I was going to ask that. Yeah, like that- we we can be happy because that was one of the big complaints was like it's fuzzy, we can't see anything. Yeah. Yeah, but you might as well have not even shown the play field because you just couldn't tell. Unless you really knew the cards, you couldn't tell what they were from what I watched. So that's really good. Good for them. Yeah, I mean, it looked really good. It looked, uh, I mean, I would say it looked almost as good as it did on our screen when we were doing the coverage, you know, because we have a you know, a, a live feed that's not going through the Internet, obviously, when we're, uh, we're doing the coverage. And so I'd say that this looks just about as good as it did, uh, you know, on our end. That's um, sweet. That's did really did sweet. any of you guys catch any of the coverage of uh, any of the GG's live coverage of Atlanta this weekend? No, I, I, I caught none of it. <laughs> so it sounds like I'm the only one that was able to do that. I know you were at work, Joe, right? Yeah, I worked all weekend. So, um, and I've been and I've been sorting these cards. I'm sorting cards right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you a little bit busy, um, but yeah. So uh, another interesting thing. Um, just uh, congratulations to local player Kurt Spice, who uh, who top sixteen the event. Oh, awesome! Oh, nice. yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Curdy yeah, Spice. That, that was pretty cool. <laughs> he's he's part of the O2 Drop crew. Um, he's also the guy who piloted the uh, Broliferate deck, the blue white Broliferate deck uh, that they uh, that they brewed up for the nationals. I'm sorry, the uh, state championships a couple months ago. So he's he's actually the Maryland state champion too. So he did pretty well. That's awesome. That man, that means he's qualified for uh, whatever uh, pro tour that feeds, right? Which pro tour is it? Uh, I'm not sure which pro tour it feeds. Because top 16 from pro tours, I oh, mean from, from Grand any Grand Prix, Prix right. feed into whatever uh, you know, whatever location it is for in the next like pro tour, ETQ right? season. Um, oh, so it would, be, awesome. it would be Japan then? Yeah, so that's really awesome because he qualifies for. Uh, the pro tour that's going on in Japan, I can't remember exactly where it is. Um, and uh, Nate Chafe from O2 Drop also has uh, qualified, which means that really puts a lot of pressure on Dave Halker now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no pressure, Dave. So uh, one of the more interesting deck lists to come out of this event that didn't happen to top eight, but uh, he was doing pretty well, and I believe he day twoed. Um, yeah, he did day two. Yeah, it was uh, – you guys may have heard of him, but – uh, probably not. Um, James Zorns, who uh, goes by Jay Way on on Magic Online, uh, people started to notice about a week week and a half ago that he was doing really well in some of the uh, some of the events on Moto with a sixty six card Omens deck. Uh, yeah, I heard about that. Omens deck. I love that. <laughs> so like, uh, yeah, he brought it. He brought it to Atlanta, and he did pretty well. Noyan, did you uh, do you want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah, I mean. <clears throat> I've always been, you know, a proponent of exploring the limitations or, you know, just the standards of what we have. Like, I know 60 cards is supposed to be optimal for several reasons, but uh, I don't know. Maybe some decks can actually afford playing more than 60 cards. Did you guys see the reasoning of the guy for playing more than 60 cards? No, I did not. What was the reasoning? Yeah, he did a little thing with uh, with BDM or something, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He says that you can't play nine mountains, four Valkyrie, four omens, and all your blue mana sources. You have to have at least three forests in the deck. You have to have all these cards, and then when you get all that there, it's just not enough room. It doesn't work at 60 cards. That's what he says. Yeah. Mm. It's just kind of like, he, he was just like, it doesn't work that way, so I'm not going to just succumb to the... Uh, 
the hive mind, which, of course, you know, I wouldn't even call it a hive mind. It's just a staple kind of rule, right? It's like engraved yeah, in stone. Like, you do not play more than 60 cards. If people play 61, people make fun of you and call you, like, John Becker. Uh, <laughs> like, 61 cards very, very frequently. That's a I know slight you- revelation about me. I, d- I do remember that uh, that you do that, Noyan. Display the sixty-one, but okay. So sixty-one's forgivable, forgivable, but <laughs> sixty-two, not at all, right? But sixty-six—that's just ridiculous. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, w- I guess do the results speak for themselves? Is this like a? Uh, I mean, he at least went into day two with like one loss on day one. Yeah, and he only lost to Patrick Chapin. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, on beat, day one, and he beat Guillaume Wafotapa. Right, so I mean, it's not like he's playing some terrible deck against terrible players. He's uh, he's putting up the results. So kudos to him for wow. I guess innovating in that way. So yeah. all I want to say about it is that like, just try it. You know, it doesn't. Maybe it's gonna work. Maybe it's not gonna work. But you know, just try it. Because sometimes when I just make a deck, like I have all the answers in the deck. But when you have all the answers, you don't have enough threats. So I just like add one or two cards extra, just just so you know you have more win conditions or more answers. Yeah, that's a really good uh, really good logic, I think. Um, it, it's just tough to kind of have the balls to just say, you know what, I'm going to break this rule. I'm going to, you know, everybody says just play 60 or maybe 61 and to actually go all the way up to 66 and do it. But, you know, he did have the practice online. So, I mean, if it wasn't working for him online, he, he wouldn't have showed up. At, at Atlanta with a 66 card deck. Um, obviously, right. he was he was putting up the results online, and and it just showed him. Like he tried it, like you said, Noyan. He uh, he tried it. It worked. He continues to to use it. So that's cool. Um, did did uh, either of you guys or any of you guys see Patrick Chapin's deck? He uh, no. It, it, he was go ahead, five color control. I think it was just four color control. Oh. Um, I, I didn't see the list, but I know he's been talking about playing like a four color control deck since as far back as like November or December. I know he specifically mentioned it at uh, at Richmond when we interviewed him. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I watched him play in a couple of his uh, his featured matches on GG's Live, and uh, it just looks like such a fun deck. As much as I love fairies, I kind of think I like that deck more because it is more of a control deck, uh, you know, which is my my favorite. Yeah, so he played the whole tournament this time? Yeah. yeah he, he didn't do the, the classic 1-0 drop this week? No, I know last week he did that with uh, in San Jose with Affinity. That was so he, funny. He was just trying to get the point. He just wanted the point yeah. for playing in the tournament. Just So he, he didn't have any plans on playing the whole day. That's why he went 1-0 That's drop. That's so funny. I wish I was good enough to just go 1-0 drop at a tournament. It <laughs> <laughs> must be nice. But it was cool because he was talking about how much uh, Plume Veil was doing for him. Like, he just loved, loved that card. I loved that card when it was in standard. That was just, it's my favorite wall ever. But, uh, Is that the flying flash thing? Yeah, it's like a 4 4 flying flash for uh, three, basically uh, hybrid blue or white. Yeah. And uh, one of the other walls he was playing was Wall of Revelance, which, you know, just like we were playing back in standard a couple of years ago. Um, so it looks like he just cut the green. Wall, wall, wall of Reverence? Uh, I'm sorry. Did I say relevant? Yeah, wall of relevance, wall of reverence. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, I, I know I don't have the card name in front of me, and I know I used to call it wall of relevance. You know, kind of <laughs> joking around, and I didn't want to say that, and I just said the wrong name anyway. <laughs> so uh, 
Wall of reverence, exactly. I was going to say, revelance doesn't sound right at all. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a word. So, yeah, he. Um, I saw him tweeting, and he just kept saying, bring it on, fairies. Like, if another, you know, I won this round, another fairies deck. Keep, keep, keep them coming. You know, he was very happy with his fairies matchup. It looks like he... Uh, he was doing really well up to day two, uh, including day two, and uh, I think he ended up dropping at four losses after losing to at least a scapeshift deck and uh, and one other deck. Okay, here's what it was. He uh, he got his third loss from a Jun deck, and then his fourth loss immediately after to a red green scapeshift deck. So uh, he finished 37th at 11 and four. So. Not too uh, bad. But, I mean, yeah, he, he was doing really well, and, and it looked like when he played fairies, he had no problem. He said uh, – oh, he did, he did actually lose to one fairies list that had a Grave Titan. But, of course, I didn't actually see that match. This is just his report on Twitter. So it sounds like that event was, was pretty awesome. Um, like I said, I'm super excited that the quality for GG's Live has improved such to such a drastic degree. Um, I think It needed to. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> It great. really needed to, to be honest. So that's good. Right. So, uh, have you guys been playing any extended at all? Last Friday, I had a revelation, and I decided to play Dredge in every format that it is legal in. I'm going to play Vintage <laughs> Dredge, Legacy Dredge, and Dredge Vine in extended. <laughs> you can play Dredge Vine in, uh, in standard, too. I, I, yeah, I, I should definitely try that. <laughs> so what, what made you come to that uh, decision? So, uh, you know, I've been attending a few Legacy tournaments, and I... Being uh, the, I guess, lamer I am, I play combo decks all the time. And, like, you know, uh, I, I skipped the survival era, but I played before that a lot. And whenever I go to a legacy tournament with a combo deck, my matchups go like this. Round one, fairies. Round two, counterbalance top. Round three, fairies. Round four, counterbalance top. And, like, those are the worst matchups possible for a combo deck. Like... And then I just decided to, you know, well, hey, I'm going to play cards that can't be countered. I'm going to play Dredge. And, like, Dredge has this whole reputation of being <clears throat> supremely lame. And, like, when, whenever a player just starts playing Dredge, everybody's like, oh, it's that guy. He's playing Dredge. It's the worst mechanic they ever made. Yeah. I, and, I like, think Storm may be sure one of that. It's not the mechanic that's the problem. It's bridge from. I think Dredge is way stupider than Affinity. At least you're still swinging with guys, like not just playing stuff from your graveyard, and then just somehow it's... your opponent's deck is milled or something. I don't know. I oh. hate Dredge. <laughs> I'm saying Storm. <laughs> I didn't say Affinity. I said Storm is worse. Because... Oh, I thought you said Affinity. Yeah, Storm. Yeah, is Storm is definitely dumb. worse mechanic. But Bridge from Below is the card that card that breaks Dredge. You know. They're both really dumb. I think Dredge is dumber, but yeah, it's, so, you know, whatever. There's this series of videos. <laughs> <laughs> there's a series of videos on YouTube by some guy with a username Tor314. I'll send you the link. He, like, does t uh, some text-to-speech. He just writes some analysis and then just this really droning, boring voice reads it out, which makes it even funnier. He writes about, like, vintage and legacy metagames in, like, NFL preseason ranking styles. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta so, send me the link to that, Noyan. Yeah, I'll send show. you the link. Yeah, the, basically, this reputation is why I decided to play Dredge. Yeah. <laughs> because it I like sounds annoying. Noyan's gonna play it. Yeah, Noyan's like, uh, sounds like people really hate this. Perfect. <laughs> Let's move on to some Mirrodin Besiege spoilers. 
The spoiler is really shaping up now. I think we've got 111 cards according to the uh, MTG Salvation spoiler. Um, one of the things that threw people off is that there are 155 cards uh, rather than the usual 145. It's a strange number of cards for a small set. And uh, the reason that it has that number is because there are actually 10 different basic lands in the set. Like, uh, you know, usually... Big sets get the basic lands. Little sets don't. If you're setting up a flavor thing, it's going to be one Mirin, one Phyrexian of each color. Right, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, it would be nice if they were full art, but I'm almost positive they won't be because they've said it's a special thing for Zendikar that's going to make Zendikar good, but, you know, like, not... (laughs) That's not what made Zendikar good, but it's part of what... (laughs) Or is it? So, yeah, so usually these sets don't have the basic lands uh, of their own. They basically just have basic lands in the packs from the previous set, you know, the the big set, the base set, I guess. Um, Oh, by the way, did you guys see the booster format for regular Besieged packs? Yeah. Oh, wait. Five... No, no, yeah, no, no, yeah like, go, ahead, go ahead and tell us, Noyan. Yeah. Five Mirren commons, five Phyrexian commons, and then, like, uh, was it four or three? Three uncommons of one faction and one rare of the other faction. Yeah. Whoa. They, like, totally tried to balance out the pack. So if you get a Mirren rare, you get uh, Phyrexian, Phyrexian uncommons, uncommons, and then you get five of each faction Whoa. for commons. So that's pretty cool. Anyway, um... We've got a ton of spoilers. We're not going to go over all of them. We're just going to kind of pick out some highlights. Um, let's uh, let's start with uh, with Noyan. Uh, pick us, pick a card. And let's talk about it. Um, black Sun's Zenith. Yeah. So let me read it out. It's X black black rare sorcery. Put X minus one minus one counters on each creature. Shuffle Black Sun's Zenith into its owner's library, and it has awesome art. So like what? Why do you think that card's any good? It's not... <laughs> <I'm> Come <kidding>. on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Mutilate. Anybody remember that card? How good it yes. was? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, it's so, definitely I mean, as first of all, Mutilate. First of all, like, blue-black just got a sweeper. And it, you don't have to play the X with back, black mana, which is really good. Blue-black just got a sweeper. Mono-black probably just became a deck. You know? And, like, yeah. many other decks... Just, you know, just got a sweeper. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's X-Sweeper, so you can, like, always kill your opponent's small creatures and let your Titan go through or something like that. If you you want. know what's huge about this, I think, is that it, it doesn't say uh, each creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. You know, X... You yeah, know, counters. It's so X it's, minus one, minus one counters, right? So that's you're the like, first time I ever thought of that without, yeah. I can yeah, kill so your little guys and shrink your big guys. Yeah, it's always relevant. And, like... One plus is that he can kill from the last troll. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it looks like a really good card that's going to see play in at least standard and maybe other formats. Like, it, this card basically reminds me of Death Cloud because, like, it was also a mirror, mirror and block. I guess this is kind of a throwback, throwback to Death Cloud. Yeah, at least it, it makes you think of it. I think I thought of, uh, I thought of Mutilate right away, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah. Noyan, you mentioned... Yeah, uh, definitely a powerful card. Yeah. Thrun the Last Troll. Yeah, Yeah, you mentioned Thrun the Last Troll. Uh, what do you guys think of him? Let, let's read him. Let's read him because uh, in case people don't know. He's uh, a green mythic rare for green, green, and two. So he's a forecasting cost. He's a 4-4. Four, four. Can't be countered. Can't be the target of spells or abilities your opponents control. Also known as Troll Shroud. Troll Shroud. Uh, and he is a green and one regenerate. So, uh, and he's 4-4. Four, four. Yeah, he's a 4-4 four, four for four. So... Um, 
I mean, he's a legend. That's that's important. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's definitely awesome. And if he wasn't a legend, he'd see a ton of play. But since he's a legend, he will see, I'd probably see less play than otherwise. But I think he'll yeah, that's true of any legend. But yeah, it's unfortunate but that he's what a legend. Makes but I understand is, why. What makes it better is the green zenith, which means you can play like one or two thrones and then fetch him with the green zenith whenever you want to. Yeah. Yeah, and you can just play one or two of any creatures you might need with and just play four zeniths and then you can any time you need something you only need to pay one extra green for it. <laughs> yeah, the green sun zenith is pretty sick. A lot of people are talking yeah. about that one. That one's the green and X sorcery rare and uh, you can search your library for a green creature card with converted mana cost X or less and put it onto the battlefield and shuffle your library. The thing with that is uh is that can be countered. <laughs> Throw yeah, yeah. but but that's, still, yeah. That's probably my favorite. Like everything else can be. That's <laughs> your favorite zenith, Noyan? Yeah, I already talked about it in my article, so go back and read it if you want to see why. But I really love that card. Now I love Thrun. I think they're all really good. <laughs> I'm like, at, at on one hand, I love Thrun, but I'm also like scared of it because there's not a lot of answers to it. And I said the same thing about Gaia's Revenge and. Uh, <laughs> And that one's not, like, super threatening. It's seeing play, but it's not super threatening. But, like, this, you know, it's, uh... I guess you can just tr- chump block it like you can with the Gaia's Revenge, but it's harder to get rid of because you can't... Yeah, it doesn't cost, like, seven or eight. Yeah. I think he's actually scarier than Gaia's Revenge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as, since you're a control player, Joe, you might want to be scared of that card. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. What's, what's interesting is that... I saw a t- tweet by Patrick Chapin. He says, if you can't think of 60 answers to Thrawn in standard, then you're not thinking out of the Yeah, box. he's just talking out of his ass. I mean, there's there's a lot of ways. There's more ways than you would think, but of, like, playable applications, yeah, I, mean, I don't playable think there's 60, 60 is... ways to deal with them. But, like, for know. example, Black Sun Zenith takes care of Thrawn. And one other card that I'm thinking might see more play is Dispense Justice. It's from Scars. If... Probably most people don't remember what it does. It's like two and a white instant. Target player sacrifices an attacking creature. Metalcraft sacrifices two creatures instead. Right, so that's yeah. a way to yeah, get Yeah, if you play limited, you know that card. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> of course. But, See, uh, yeah, any any sacrifice effect. So Gatekeeper of Malakir, that works mm-hmm. as well. Consuming Vapors. Yep. I think Gatekeeper is I, the I best. quickly thought of, like, all the cards that are actually played in Standard right now. I thought of maybe, like, five or six that can actually deal with him, just total... I mean, I'm sure there's more. That was just quick run-over yeah, yeah, cards I mean, I, that people play. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be really, really hard to deal with. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and Which is fun. I like it. I love I love 4-4s four that cost 4. Like, all of my favorite cards, too. Loxodon Hierarch is my favorite card ever. And Ravenous Bayloss. And I love 4-4s four for 4 that do stuff. And he falls under the category. <laughs> This guy's obviously a throwback to Troll Ascetic, which was a really good card by itself. Yeah, right. that, that card was all over standard, but he wasn't legendary, obviously. So yeah. his, he'll be, he won't be as, he won't just be a four of or whatever, like oh. Ascetic was. Oh. But. And like, Infect, like Infect is a real big problem for Thrun. Yeah, absolutely. And Infect yep. seems to be getting some even more tools to work with this, this set. But uh, th- two things I wanted to note about Thrun. Uh, like you said, he's a throwback to Troll Ascetic, and Troll Ascetic, the big thing with him was that he was always holding Sword of Fire and Ice. And so basically, the just to point out how good these guys are with equipment, just yeah. because you can equip them, like you can target them with your stuff, but you can't, uh, but opponents can't target them. And uh, the other thing, though, as far as getting rid of them, 
they do have to keep up regeneration mana, so but, that is something right. to keep to be aware of. Like you're at least setting them back any time you threaten to do something, you know, that could get rid of him to destroy him. As far as like a wrath or something, like they need to actually keep two lands untapped. I just realized time. something. Sword of Feast and Famine untaps your lands. I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Holy so go ahead crap. Card. That's the card I wanted to talk about. Well, go ahead and sure. talk about it. Go ahead and talk about yeah, it. I think it's incredible. We'll read it um, and, uh, and, and talk about it. All right, let me pull up the text here. It's like three to cast and then like all the other swords. And then I got the spoiler up here somewhere. I can read it if you want. Or you Equip creature gets okay, here we go. Three to cast artifact equipment. Equip creature gets plus two, plus two, and has pro black and green. And when it deals combat damage, that player discards a card, and you untap all lands you control, equip two. So my theory is that if you can equip it in a situation where you can swing and get through, it is free to equip, which is awesome <laughs> for a sword. Um, yeah. I think that's one of the main things that's really good about it. As long as you can equip it in a situation where it'll get through, which is all the swords are good but in that situation. but And then you can keep up. Regen mana for Thrun or counter mana, although I don't know if you'd be really playing it in a control deck, but it just, you can do all sorts of, it seems like you could do all sorts of fun stuff with it. I've definitely <laughs> thought about using him in a control deck, like in, uh, you know, Thrun, that is, because he's a difficult to answer threat. You know, right. he only needs to uh, yeah. Yeah. stick for a few turns and w- backed up by counter magic, like, I can. If you do play uh, Consuming Vapors, I can counter that. You know what I mean? So not yeah. only do you, now you have to have the right answer, but you have to have the right answer and have it not get countered or something. So, I mean, I've and I mean, like, Troll Aesthetic on its own was never why it was so good. It was Troll Aesthetic plus the equipment you throw on him because you can do that and your opponent can still do nothing to him. Yeah, another thing. Troll Shroud. So it's just like it, you have to think that. He was made with the sword in mind and then any other equipment that may come down the line here. But I think it's going to be – I'm going to try it. And it. I'm hoping that – because he's definitely a more mid-range card. And like me and Noyan have talked about before, we both love mid-range. And yeah. I would love to see the game return to a more mid-range style. And if it's going to, a card like Thrun is going to be around, like will have to be around for it. Yeah. Yeah, he's just a solid mid-range creature. He's not a end game, end the game as soon as he swings threat, but he's a, the kind of creature that'll stay around and protect you for the whole game if you can play it right. Right. So I, just, I love the, the, the Thrawn and the Sword, I think, are going to go pretty well together. I just realized I said that Infect kills Thrawn, but the Sword gives protection from the traditional Infect colors, which is also good. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, they obviously weren't. They obviously had that in mind when they were thinking. Absolutely. But if, in fact, does become like a tier one mechanic, which it very well could, a four four that you know can't be targeted in regen that does nothing against infect. So yeah, you need to be aware of these things. Infect. I think. Yeah. So Joe, do you have any? Uh, you have a card you wanted to talk about? Uh, yeah. Um, I want I want you to talk about the first one you mentioned earlier in the uh, chat. To find so Joe, I respect you, and like, but uh, I want to talk about something else. I'm gonna Kanye West you. Uh, <laughs> uh, just before you, while you look up your cards, I'm gonna just, I just want to say, like, 
because Travis mentioned it. He said that Infect might become a tier one deck. I'm just gonna call it right now with the cards it has. I think Infect's gonna be like vampires when Zendikar first came out because it's a really simple to de- build deck that just build itself like Infect Aggro, and there are just so yeah, many yeah. cards like. And it's also a very appealing mechanic to both new players and old players. And mostly just, new players. <laughs> no, well, just, no, I'm, I mean, I'm a player. It, it better become a, it better become tier one, or they messed up pretty bad. If well, it doesn't, then something went wrong. <laughs> uh, well, my favorite card in the set is an infect card. So, what? Yeah, yeah, that might surprise Ooh. you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just go into that right now since we mentioned it. Do uh, it. It's Ink Moth Nexus. Yeah. So, uh, for those of you who haven't read this, now, Ink Moth Nexus is a throwback to a card that was printed in the Mirrodin, original Mirrodin block, which was called Blink Moth Nexus. Um, Ink Moth Nexus is a land. It uh, taps for a colorless, and you can pay a colorless to have Ink Moth Nexus become a 1-1 Blink Moth artifact creature with flying and infect until end of turn. It's still a land, and it's, uh, it's a rare. So... For one thing, Blink Moth Nexus was a significant land during Mirrodin Block in the standard era of that time because it was just it was a man land. Man lands tend to be good always, like on some level, at least at least reasonably good, depending on how uh, you know how expensive it is to activate them. But I mean, we've seen every World Wake man land played, including uh, what's the one that. <laughs> Dread Statuary. Dread yeah. Statuary, right. Oh, we, that was not Stalking Stone, like I said that one time. Right, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Dread Statuary has even seen play. Um, I've been I, playing it in Metalcraft. Yeah, yeah so, that was what I was going to say. I think Dread Statuary might make a comeback in Metalcraft. So then you have that, because it's an artifact creature, right? It becomes an artifact creature. Yeah, exactly. I'll, 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 I will activate him, and then I'll use Steel, uh, Steel Overseer to pump him. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, so there you go. So like that's He actually cool. and he reactivates Metalcraft sometimes, which is great. Yeah. So the thing for, for Ink Moth Nexus, obviously it's already it's a Blink Moth Nexus, but it's better because people only get ten you know, ten opportunities. Chances. You know, ten I guess it, it's weird. They don't have ten life, but they can only have ten poison counters as opposed to getting hit with uh twenty damage. So Ink Moth Nexus is effectively you could almost think of it as a two one flyer um rather than a one one with infect so i mean for me the first thing this just screams to me is like i just want to put you in a control deck with no other creatures or maybe like maybe another creature but basically i want to put you in a control deck and just hit you 10 times with an ink moth nexus as as a, a win condition as one of the win conditions now of course uh maybe just as an alternate win condition but just to be attacking from multiple angles um you could obviously build around it proliferate um, now yeah, and that that control deck also has another good card, and I guess I'll just spoil it right away. Corrupted Conscience, three colorless, two blue for five converted mana cost. Blue enchantment aura. Enchant creature, you control enchanted creature, enchanted creature has infect. Right, so it's like a control magic, but it gives the creature infect, so like that's huge. I'm going to steal your titan yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, give it infect. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so that I mean that's a great point. No, and I didn't even think about that one uh, in this particular strategy, but that's perfect. Uh, the card that also just screams to be used with Ink Moth Nexus is my other favorite card in the set. But uh, 
it might be a lot of people's favorite card. It's, of course, the Planeswalker, Tezzeret, because mm-hmm. Inkamoth Nexus with Tezzeret is ridiculous. Being able I love to, that card. Uh, yeah, you activate the Inkamoth, so it's a 1 1 flying infect, and then you use Tezzeret's ability to make it a 5 oh, 5. So it's a 5 minute. 5 flying infect. So I'm like, I'm going to control the board, and then I'm going to play Tezzeret, activate my Inkamoth Nexus, make, your, make my Nexus a 5 5, hit you for 5, and next turn, if you can't <laughs> deal with it, I'm going to hit you for another 5 poison, and you're dead. Rules question. So Tezzeret's target artifact becomes a 5-5 artifact creature, is permanent ability, and yes. Ink Moth Nexus becomes a creature until end of turn, then it goes back to being a land. So does, if you make it a creature with Tezzeret, does it go back to being a land? It, it, from what I understand, I mean, it, it's still a land, but you're, like, it always stays a land, I think. But does it time. always stay a creature after you? Yeah, from Tezzeret. what I understand, like people have been asking this a lot. Basically, you activate it. It's a 5-5 five, five flying infect. Uh, and at the end of turn, it loses flying and infect. But it stays a 5-5. Five, five. So yeah, that's It stays a 5-5 five, five creature. So it's just it like lose, a man land without the until end of turn. They just their land or creature forever. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because they become a creature when they're a man land, but they're still a land. And you can still tap them for mana, yeah, obviously, because yeah. right. people do that all the time with Stalinade. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, uh, so it's an interesting, interesting interaction, and that's those are the two cards that uh, that I'm super excited about in the set. Of course, it has to be, you know, the money mythic rare that I want. Um. Yeah, people that don't think Tezzeret will see play are just idiots. Like, there's, there's no way that card will <laughs> it's going to be it's something. There will be something. He he reminds me a lot of Koth, except so many more possibilities. The same people that are saying that Tezzeret isn't going to see play and isn't any good. There are two people saying that. I'm, I'm almost certain. Uh, one group yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> are the people who are trying to convince you they're no good so they can get them cheap. And the other group are the people who in six months are going to be going, oh yeah, figures like well, every time yeah, he right across the table from them. <laughs> uh, man, I wish I had money to buy all them cards. Like, it's like, oh, if you like, you know, weren't talking smack on the card that is doubled in price you know what i mean like right same thing happened with jace too yeah absolutely uh now one thing to note about the ink mouth nexus is i believe it started at 599 on star city it was 699 up to yesterday and now it's 799 they almost sold out of them yesterday in fact the reason i know this is because i have four in my cart and i haven't pulled the trigger yet and then yesterday morning when i uh when i opened it up and looked at my cart again i was like why did the you know the the total dropped because i'm like oh maybe they dropped a price on something and i clicked it and i went no it's because one of the ink moth nexuses disappeared because they only have three left in stock so they increased their stock. Obviously, they can't. Uh, they don't actually have them in stock, but I guess they're not even stock. stock, right? Yeah, uh, <laughs> virtual stock. They've they've increased their stock, and now they've also increased in price. So now they're eight dollars each. Um, wow! So uh, just, just theoretical to... stock that they will have because they're going to open a million cases of this. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And is, this is a rare. So this is the thing. Like, fauna shaman is probably the best rare right now in standard. Like just rare card, like as far as and being uh, of value, monetary value. Like, yeah. it and what is it like eight bucks? Around there, yeah. Yeah, I which mean, one? Fauna Shaman. Yeah, Fauna Shaman's a, about eightish. Something right. Like that. So, so just uh, Ink Moth Nexus. Now it can be played in a lot more decks. Pretty much any deck. 
uh, depending on how you really want to do it. But obviously, it's not so good if you're playing an aggro strategy and decide you want to start attacking with a 1-1 that doesn't actually do damage. It just does, <laughs> in fact, like... So so maybe not any deck, but I mean the fact that it requires no color commitment. Uh, and if you want to play it as kind of a, a backup plan, especially like in a control deck, or obviously in a poison deck, a proliferate deck. Now, I think that's another significant strategy to go with this, because I'm going to hit you once with an Ink Moth Nexus, and then I'm going to just use a bunch of proliferate cards to power up my Planeswalkers uh, and and poison you to death. You know, that's you don't even have to exactly uh, kill them with attacking with poison. You can just hit them once and proliferate a lot. So, I mean, or these are just ideas. Yeah. yeah, that was where I was... Applicable. That was where I was trying to go. I was saying, like, the Infect Aggro might become a goodish popular deck, but I think in the end the deck that will, like, really make it with Infect will probably be some kind of control deck with some Planeswalkers and Proliferation or something like that. Right, and we've got Skitherix too. Just playing him as a one of, yeah, in there. Like, I was talking about using Skitherix as a sideboard card for blue black control. Like, since yeah, the set came out. Right, same here. Like, it's he's he's the card that like I kept run- trying to build around, thinking if I, can I just play with him? Is there a way that I can like? Uh, pump him like where is exalted when you need it like i just want to be able to swing with him twice (laughs) well my thing was always like you should um you know (laughs) run sphinx of dwar isle as your only creature and then when they side out all their removal yeah homeboy (laughs) right now you just mentioned a sphinx there was another sphinx you were talking about earlier joe yes go into that yes you were trying to get me to go into that before consecrated sphinx Consecrated Sphinx is a 4-6 flying Sphinx for 2 blue and 4. It's a mythic rare. And it says, whenever an opponent draws a card, you may, may, draw 2 cards. (laughs) (laughs) So, that that seems like a... I mean, that's obviously a really powerful ability. Yeah. It's a... Go ahead, go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. I mean, but like... Is the is it really? I don't know. I mean, like, do you think this card's any good, Joe? You're the one that really. I think the, I think your opinion matters the most as far as. Well, you know. it's a sphinx. Do you have an affinity for the color of the card? That's true. <laughs> it uh, is blue. Well, for one thing, I guess I have a couple things to say about the card. Uh, I knew you would. That's why I brought it up. Right on. Well, <laughs> first, it's casting costs. It's first, it's a sphinx. That's awesome, right? I like sphinxes. I know Mike Flores doesn't, but I do. Um, <laughs> this one, I think he likes more than some of the recent other ones. But anyway, this is—it's a Titan casting cost, and when it comes into play, it doesn't do anything like the Titans do. So that's uh, that's a strike against it. It's a four-six already. Now you know power is two less than the Titans. That's can be significant. Now, it's flying, so that's good. But its ability, um, if you can exploit it, is huge. For one thing, you play it and pass the turn. If they don't remove it, you draw two cards off of it during their draw step. Uh, that's pretty disgusting. Um, against a Jace, now, of course, no, no, no player who thinks at all is going to activate Jace's, Jace 2, you know, Jace the Mind Sculptor. Uh, his brainstorm ability while you have a consecrated sphinx in play because <laughs> unless you're about to deck yourself but then again you may as joe said that's important so if you're thinking and you have the sphinx in play and you're about to be decked you just don't so uh, <laughs> and the, the important i didn't even thing, think of that <laughs> yeah, that'd so, be pretty bad 
Now, what, what I saw when I first saw him uh, was you play this with Baby Jace. You play this yeah. with, with Yeah, that was the Jace. first thing I thought of. Right. So, like, you, you have a Baby Jace out, and you're like, hey, I'm going to have us both draw a card. Although I'm going to draw three while you draw <laughs> one, you know? Like, <laughs> that's pretty sick. So, now, like I said, it's a matter of exploiting this ability, and if you can build around it, then I think it's it's great. The the question is whether or not people are going to, whether that's going to be good enough. Drawing cards is always good, but if you're only drawing cards that allow you to exploit consecrated Sphinx, you're just going to draw a whole bunch of cards while your other, you know, while your opponent sits there and wins. You know, like if your cards don't do anything but help you draw more cards, uh, you need to actually have threats. Or this is a threat, but I mean, you need to actually have a win condition. Um, and he is very vulnerable as far as like. Emotionally, you know, he, yeah, he's he's a look how thin he is. He's like emaciated. Uh, that's another thing. Like this artwork, I love Mark Zug typically, but I don't like what he, you know, painted here. It, it looks like a it, to me, it looks like an insect, not a sphinx. I the problem is the background. I think like the brown background makes it just look more bland than it is. If it had a background like Tezret or something, it would look much more awesome. I don't it looks kind of like a chimney imp that like put on a helmet or something. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's what it looks <laughs> like. It doesn't look like a sphinx to me. Like I'm, I know it's supposed to be Rexian and everything, but it's like it's terrible looking. Like that doesn't look like a sphinx. Ew! To me. What, look, what is that? Right, it looks like a bug. <laughs> I so, like. I never yeah. look at the artwork on cards. Ew! My God, that's awful. So sorry, Mark Zug, but uh, I don't know. Maybe it's not his fault. Maybe it's in the. Uh, no, it's his fault. Well, <laughs> it might be the art description and whatever right, they call the it. Style guide, right. Yeah. So, uh, all right, what other cards do we got to talk about? Travis, you got another one on your list here? Um, well, one that stuck out to me also, well, well, Treasure Mage kind of seems pretty cool to me. Yeah. That's, good, um, good, read it, yeah. Yeah, it's a two and a blue creature human wizard. When Treasure Mage enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an artifact with converted mana cost six or greater. Reveal that card and put it into your hand. If you do, shuffle your library, and it's a two-two. Yep. And the Mind art is also terrible. <laughs> what, what did you say, Noyan? Mind Slaver. But yeah. <laughs> worm Coil The first thing engine. that came to my mind was Worm Coil Engine, but yeah, then the second thing was Mind Slaver. So. <laughs> now, this is obviously just a, a trinket mage on steroids, kind of. Not really. He just searches for the other end of, uh, of the, the spectrum. Yeah, it just it seems like I, when I saw this and I saw this and Tezzeret within like 10 minutes of each other, probably, um, and I was at work, so... I just drew up a deck list of just a crappy deck list that I would build. And it was like this and um, Grand Architect, I thought, would really maybe have an application with this because whatever you search up with this, you can also just tap the Grand Architect and then the Treasure Mage and, you know, get four mana to play the six cost thing you just searched up. Absolutely. Absolutely. so I went on eBay and got four Grand Architects for like three bucks a piece or something. Foils too, obviously. Of yeah. course, foils. I like foils, but it just—they seem like if Treasure Mage is going to be useful, I think Grand Architect or some way to make them cheaper is going to have to be in the picture. You know, I was thinking you were like, you—you you were just saying like, you know, I build crap, I build crappy decks is basically what I you do. said. <laughs> I do. I can't build decks. Every deck I, just, I build is the same and terrible, and then I just copy off <laughs> someone else, and then, you know. <laughs> it's, like, it, what it was was, like, tre- Treasure Mage, uh, Grand Architect, and then all the blue cards that people play, and then, like, 
a worm coil engine and a mine slaver and Tezzeret and then like no other wind conditions other than the treasure mage or grand architect. I don't know. I mean, I think something like that will exist with yeah. treasure mage. I hope so. I'm just hoping just... that someone better will make a deck. <laughs> well, what I was saying was like, uh, you know, when you said, like, I build crappy decks, I was like, man, well, you know, were you going to, like, search up Blightsteel Colossus? With, yeah, that was in there, yeah, too. With the Treasure Mage. But then you're like, I'm really excited because then I can play it and make it a 5-5 five, five artifact creature. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, be so tech. sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Build so, well, speaking of Treasure Mage, I want to talk about a card that Treasure Mage can actually fetch. Yeah, go for it, Noya. Um, knowledge pool. Oh, I thought you were going with a different one. Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> Knowledge pool, go ahead. Noya. Knowledge pool. Six-mana artifact. Imprint. When it enters the battlefield, each player exiles the top three card of his or her library. Whenever a player casts a spell from his or her hand, that player exiles it. If the player does, he or she may cast another non-land card, card exiled with knowledge pool without paying that card's mana cost. So, everybody's going to be like, huh? So, let me just explain. Yeah, I had to read it like five times to understand (laughs) it. (laughs) So, when it comes into play, both players remove three cards from the top of their library and exile exile them and then imprint them. And then, whenever a player casts a spell, like, the imprinted cards onto Knowledge Pool, both players have cards imprinted onto the pool, it's like a pool that stands aside. And then when you cast a spell, you can replace the spell you have with any card in the pool instead. So basically, for example, let me give you an example and it'll be clearer. So we just, I cast a knowledge pool and like Joe exiles uh, Mana Leak, uh, Grave Titan, and I don't know, Creeping Tarpet. And then on top of my library, there is a uh, Emrakul, Forest, and I don't know, uh, Surreal Memoir. Aladdin's Lamp. Surreal Memoir. (laughs) So yeah, and then I cast Memnite for zero mana. And then I'm like, okay, so when I cast Memnite, it's going to be exchanged with some spell in the pool. Memnite goes to the pool, and I cast Emrakul for Memnite's casting cost, which instead. And then I just cast an Emrakul, basically, for free. And really? Because it, yeah, that, it casts the card, too. Yeah. How it worked. Right. It actually <laughs> casts the card, so like you can get any sort of uh, casting bonuses from like an Emrakul or something. That's but, kind of awesome. Yeah. You can also your opponent can also play your spells too. The pool is shared. Oh wow! So, oh, that's right. Wow. <laughs> pool, and then Joe plays I don't know Twisted Image, and then he gets my Emrakul. <laughs> that is crazy. Wow, that's really fun. So, wait, so if you play the Memnite, it's it's because the Memnite is a creature because Emrakul is obviously not an artifact. It's just because Memnite is a creature, you get to play. Doesn't share the type. You can play any spell that that's in the pool, and you can just replace it. So, doesn't have to share a type. You can play an instant, then get a creature from the pool, and then your instant goes to the pool, and you play the spell. Oh, okay. Wow, that's weird. With your example, one of the interesting things was, which I wasn't really considering, was the fact that they were all in the same pool, so I could play your Emrakul. So, like you play Memnite, right? That triggers the knowledge pool. I'm going to play. Mana leak, which also triggers the knowledge pool. Uh, my mana leak exiles first. If you have no response to it, yeah. I take your emrakul. I yeah. get your emrakul, and now your your uh, 
Memnite can trigger and you can take like what Forest Creeping Tar Pit or Surreal Memoir or Mana Leak, which can't target the Emrakul because it can't be countered. So yeah. I'm just saying in your example, but it's interesting because even though you're trying to get the Emrakul, it could be really bad because all I need to do is cast an instant. I mean, I could cast a, a lightning bolt at your face instead and just get the yeah. Emrakul. You know, any instant could uh, could potentially steal that. And I, I'm assuming because the way. Uh, because of your example, and I haven't looked into this, but all the cards, when they're exiled, they're face up. Like, everybody gets to see the whole yeah. pool, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, that's, that's pretty crazy. You know what this made me think of, honestly? Like, I think that we should start a whole new format <laughs> with uh, with knowledge. Like, like a, no, a knowledge pool format. I think yeah, that knowledge... Be... Like, knowledge pool just screams, like, its own format. Like, it just sounds like so much fun and adds such a strange level of strategy... But it just seems like one of those things where uh, yeah. you could create an entire like format around the uh, politics of that. <laughs> yeah, well, knowledge pool like it just seems like such a so many layers of of complexity to it that it's going to be a nightmare if people really start playing it a lot. But then again, <laughs> the more people that play it, the more people understand how it works, and but- then it's not such a nightmare. So uh, let's talk. Move on to another card. Okay. Spine of. Let me do the spine then. Okay, go ahead. Spine of Ishsa. Seven mana, artifact. When Spine of Ishsa en- enters the battlefield, destroy target permanent. When Spine of Ishsa is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, return Spine of Ishsa to its owner's hand. Yeah. You know how, re- how good this would be with Venser? Yeah, exactly. And like, <laughs> Glimmer Point, Stagger, whatever. Yeah. Like, okay, so you play the Spine, you destroy something. I'm going to blink it with Venser. At the end of my turn, it comes back, destroy something. If they, uh, so if they get rid of the spine, it like, comes back to your hand. It, yeah, you get it back. If they get rid of the venser, you still have the spine, you know, to to keep doing that with. It's like it's crazy. And then you keep using the blink to ultimate venser, and then you just exile everything. Yeah. So like, meanwhile, you're destroying their permanence, and that, meanwhile, getting venser up to a point where you can every spell you cast uh, will exile permanence. So like. That just seem, seems like Spencer... Spencer. There you go. There's the name of the deck. It's a Spencer deck. Spine plus Venser. Uh, yeah, that was unintentional. But yeah, it seems like that could be a real deck. Like, it seems like... Yeah, I mean, I don't know Tier 1, but it could be... People can build around this. And um, I will. Playing, yeah, so Noyan will. Um, God, I know he will. And, I mean, that's the first thing that, that I keep thinking of. Like, this, this could be a good card. Now, maybe you don't play a ton of them. Maybe you just play one and then some treasure mages. Yep. Right? Uh, to search for it and uh, and get it and you blink it. So, I mean, it's just... Yeah, need, I think that's what you would probably want to do. They need to the exile. Seven. Right. So you don't want to draw multiples. <laughs> right. I think the only problem is that it costs seven. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that sucks. It's so much mana. Right, but in a deck, if you build your deck like a control deck, it's yeah. going to turn seven or, you know, later isn't really that crazy. Or, I mean, people are playing... Uh, the Titans and there they cost six, so this isn't like right. Yeah, seven as a one of it can't hurt, and with Treasure Mage you just get it when you need it. Right. Yeah. Also, Chalice helps, and maybe Joe, you want yeah, to talk about that, that also helps. Uh, the Sphere of the Suns. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the cards that people I think are kind of. I mean, some people seem to be onto it as far as how uh, how kind of good it is, subtly good. Um, it's it's explain basically... why it's good to me. Everflowing Chalice is good. Ever-flowing Chalice is good. 
right? Um, yeah, but you could it's good just on that. Call your mana into it if you need to, right? But I'm, this this at least gives you uh, it helps fix your mana as far as color. So I'm not saying like it's it's huge good like primeval titan. Let me let me read it. Uh, it's an artifact that costs two. It's called Sphere of the Suns. It's an uncommon. Uh, it enters the battlefield tapped with three charge counters on it. Um, you tap it, remove a charge counter from Sphere of the Suns, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So. The one thing is is it's color fixing, and two, it's like a signet. You know, it's it's uh it's a two casting cost card that can help ramp you. You know, for your next turn uh, to have an additional mana. I mean, most of the time when people are playing Chalice, they're playing it on one. Um, you know, yes, right. when you get when it, you get a significant amount of mana, you play Chalice on more than one. But I mean, the reason Chalice is good is because you do have that option. But I mean, people played Mindstone. Mindstone was good. Mindstone right. was a two-casting cost artifact that gave you a mana, and you could sacrifice it to draw a card. I mean, the, this is along the, those lines, but this one actually adds colored mana, and I think that's what's significant about it. So, uh, yeah. It's, Did Mindstone come into play tapped? Because that's my main problem with right. the Sphere of the Sun, is that it comes into yeah. play tapped. Right, no, with Mindstone didn't. turn three, I think, is the best time to Chalice for one, because you have a blue mana open, tap two, chalice for one, still have mana leak mana open, and ramp yourself turn four. Right. That's why I think chalice is so good, and this card doesn't do that. Right, and that's significant. That's true. Um, I'm just... Uh, that's my only... That's all the only problem I have with it, so I don't know. <laughs> um, Mindstone did not come into play tapped, uh, but it's it's just... I still think it's a good card, and I think it's significant because it fixes... And, yeah, mana fixing for any colors is awesome, too. Right. And the signets didn't come into play tapped either, did they? Right. No, but you had to pay one to activate them. Yeah. But then you got one of either color, either signet color. Right. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, If you like it, if you think it's a good card, then it's worth looking at to me, you know? It's... It's. Yeah, I'm sure it'll have some use. Right, and you can reset it with Venser too. If we're uh, talking about the Venser, the Spencer deck, right? Spine, <laughs> spine Venser deck. <laughs> uh, you can always reset it. Keep that. Keep that in mind, though. You might. Uh, you might have a sweet deck name down the line, and then you can say you thought of it. <laughs> I can say it's right here on this recording. So uh, by accident. But y- you know what else goes into that deck is uh, Tumble Magnet, because uh, yeah. that can also be reset with Venser. So it. it Taps down their or turns into a five five. Right, yeah. Now, now you play. You can play Esper Artifact Control. You know, with Venser and Tezzeret and Jace and uh, Proliferate and Spine and and uh, Tumble Magnet and Sphere of the Suns. Uh, and then you'd probably need sixty six cards to fit all of that into a single deck. There you go. Coming, <laughs> coming back in a circle. So, uh, so Joe, did you have another card you wanted to talk about? Yes. Um... I wanted to talk about um, go for the throat. Um, I really like go to th- go for the throat. It costs one black and one. It's an instant. It's an uncommon. Destroy target non-artifact creature. Now the reason why I think this card is so significant is because it costs one and a black. It's an instant, and it kills vampire nighthawk. Which just seems weird, and like and wait, Joe, wait. Joe, of course, immediately said, "Well, so does Smother," and but then again, go through the throat also kills Abyssal Persecutor, you know? Yeah, and, like, yeah, that kills Abyssal Persecutor, Grave Titan, Titan seem more significant. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it doesn't saying, kill Ink Moth Nexus. It doesn't kill Ink Moth Nexus now, and that could be uh, significant. 
It could. It's but also I'm just significant because you have to say dies to go for the throat now, not yeah. dies to Doomblade. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I felt like Doomblade guy must have been pretty sad. Doomblade guy is probably sad to see this card. Yeah. He's like, well, I mean. Oh, there's going to have to be go for the throat guy. This was on my list of oh, – I had a top five list at one point, and this was on the list. It got cut, but uh, I love the card. Um, Did you share the list with awesome, us? It was Sphere of the Suns, Ink Moth Nexus, Tezzeret, Thrun, and Phyrexian Revoker. But uh, it wasn't like I, I put a ton of thought into it, but it was like just kind of scanning through the spoiler. Those were the ones that I thought were good. Ink Moth and Tezzeret are definitely still on the list. I love Thrun, but I don't see myself – I, I don't know if I'll play with him. Um, Phyrexian Revoker, it's a pitting needle on legs. That's awesome. Like, this is for standard, right? Yeah, this is for standard. I know we've already... The sword was not on there? I'm not a big fan of the, these swords. I love Sword of Fire and Ice, <laughs> but I don't yeah. like the other swords. Well, but, yeah, obviously. That, I mean, well, that, no, it kind of annoys me because Sword of Fire and Ice is so far out of standard. Like, it's just, it's an amazing card, and I'm, I'm aware of that, but... Like, to compare it to that is just so unfair, because it's just, I don't know if it was a mistake, but it's just obviously so awesome, and they're not going to make a card that good with, like, all these, I don't know, all these double-striking guys, even though double-strike was around back then, but, like, Sword of Fire and Ice on a Mirror and Crusader would just be the end of the game. (laughs) Or even Core Duelist. No, I mean, absolutely. I, I'm just not a big fan of equipment. It's not that I don't like equipment. It's just I don't play that many creatures. So, like, usually in the decks I play, like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, that's why it's like equipment's awesome. I think equipment's great, but I don't ever really play it. So it's not going to be in my favorite cards of the set because that's yeah. be, not going to be fair enough. So that's all. I, and sort of fire and ice. I mean, even if they were, were to reprint it, I'd be like, oh, that's awesome. But I don't know if I'd because it draws your card. Right, exactly. It draws me a card, so maybe I would try to find a way to play it. But then so does uh, Consecrated Sphinx, and we've just established that maybe that isn't such a great card to play, but it, it could be. You need to build around well, it. Well, cost six. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's good. So, uh, I think the Creeping Corrosion needs to just be mentioned, um, just because it's two and two green sorcery destroy all artifacts, and there's going to be a lot of artifact decks around, and that's going to... Really, really stop them. I think. Yeah. I mean, especially against like Joe's Metalcraft deck right now. That would be <laughs> like the perfect sideboard card against that deck, and they're really going to have to to be prepared for a card like that and adapt. Yeah, it's like a rare artifact, Wrath of God, basically. Like, yeah, rare green artifact, Wrath of God. And I'm glad the card exists because they're putting in all these good artifacts, all these good artifact mechanics, but. It's something to keep them in check, and I think that card will definitely be a two or three of, or maybe even four of at some point in a lot of sideboards of yeah. green decks. It all depends on how good artifacts end up being. Absolutely. Exactly. Any card is like that. And yeah. I think if artifacts aren't good, just like if Infect isn't good, then they've done something very wrong. <laughs> and I think they will be good if they did it right. <laughs> right. I want to mention uh, one card for the Spencer deck again. It's Iker Wellspring, two-mana artifact. When Iker Wellspring enters the battlefield or is put into a graveyard from battlefield, draw a card. Yeah, I really like that card. I think that card's... I, I think it goes in either the Spencer deck with, like, blinking it all the time. Or you could, like... You could just, Spencer like, deck. Yeah. 
You can make some proliferate control deck with Throne of Geth, and then you can just, like, sacrifice this thing to Throne of Geth, and then, like, just keep getting cards out of it. And is there some way to recurring artifacts in this set? I'm not sure. Glissa. Yeah, Glissa. Oh, yeah, Glissa, for example. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so you can make a green-black deck with that, then, I guess. I don't know. So, yeah, Icker Wellspring, it does. It seems like such a weird card. It's like, okay, so it's a cantrip that sits there and does nothing. You know? Help it's Right, exactly. You need other things to make it do something. You make it a five-five with Venser. I mean, with uh, Tezzeret. Uh, it's it's a definitely a build around me card, or like a card yeah. that. It's just so weird. It just seems like so such an odd card, but yeah, we'll be this seeing those. Block seems like a build around me block. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. But what I don't like is that uh, the build around me decks are inferior to the mm, huge creature whatever decks. Battle cruiser sure magic. Battle yep. magic. Yeah. Well, the battle cru- cruisers will rotate out someday, and this will be the only set. Yeah. Unless I, they I, reprint them in M12, which I don't think they will. But I think they might. They That's... are having their time now, but these cards will also have their time. I just fear they might reprint the Titans in M12 because remember what they did with Bane Slayer. People were like, "Oh no, it's gonna rotate out," and then some. I I don't remember who. Maybe Aaron Forsyth or something like that said that we want people to be playing with the, the cards they like for a longer time. So we we yeah, reprint. Yeah, I don't I don't think they will, but yeah, no one knows. We'll see I what happens. I think that's why they changed Extended. I don't think that's why they um, reprinted Bane Slayer. I don't know. Well, yeah, no one knows. Well, yeah. For now, the, for now, though, the Titans exist, and for now, cards like Consecrated Sphinx are just trumped. Yeah. So, uh, Joe, did you have any more cards you wanted to mention? Um, well, I did like, uh, just briefly wanted to just mention the Burn the Impure. I think that's a really cool card. Um, it costs it yeah. uh, red and one. I'm actually just saying this from memory. Uh, deals three damage to target creature, and if that creature had infect, it deals three damage to that creature's controller, which I think is just cool. I think it's a, you know, it's a nice tool for people who are playing against all this infect to have. It will definitely see play in the pre-release. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. It's, it's definitely a solid card to have in your sideboard in case you expect infect, which you will see infect in limited. <laughs> I'm just amazed, like, um, how much artifact hate they've printed in this set. Like, it's going to be so hard, especially, like, at the pre-release drafts, where you're drafting besieged, besieged scars. It's going to be so hard to try to keep a an artifact strategy, like, rolling. It'll be more fun now, I think, because you're less familiar with the cards you're opening. It'll force you to use new things more. Honestly, I feel like it's going to make me drop back to like my base instincts and like kind of ignore some of the uh, the way the directions they're trying to push me in. Yeah, because, probably me too. <laughs> you know, because... I won't. That's why I suck at limited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. I'll just scrub out as well. I'm. I just. I'm bad at it, and I don't enjoy it. So. So, uh, on that note, let's talk about uh, some upcoming events, like the limited events coming up this weekend, the pre-release. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, uh, no constructed events featuring Mirrodin Besiege this weekend, but uh, 
upcoming events. This weekend we have the Mirrodin Besiege pre-release. Uh, next weekend we have the Star City Games Open series. It comes to Indianapolis. Uh, that's going to be awesome. And it's going to be the first tournament to feature Mirrodin Besiege cards because the cards are legal as of that weekend. So uh, we'll actually see if any innovations happen uh, you know, starting on February the 6th. Uh, weekend after that, of course, is Pro Tour Paris and Grand Prix Paris. In fact, it's called Magic Weekend Paris. So uh, that starts on, I believe, Thursday um, <clears throat> and goes all the way through Sunday. So uh, we've got just a bunch of cool stuff coming up. Uh, the weekend after Pro Tour Paris is Grand Prix Denver. So, uh, you know, for those of you who do like Limited, you've got a Grand Prix event coming up in just a couple of weeks. So check that out. Um, I want to thank you guys for joining us to talk about some spoilers. Thanks for having us. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. If, uh, if you guys are interested in reading some more of Noyan's thoughts, uh, check out IWantMyMTG.com. His column is called Spreading Cheese. And there's always some interesting stories, interesting deck lists in there. I am always uh, always enjoy reading the articles when Noyan sends them to me. So uh, I'm always going to write about Dredge now, every single week. Dredge. There you go. But yeah, the, the new name of the column is going to be called Dredging Cheese from now on. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> wow. So... Uh, all right, I guess that's all we got for this week. Anybody else have anything? Yeah, follow add? me on Twitter. Yeah, uh, on, I'll put your guys' Twitter names in the uh, in the show notes. That's all we got for you this week. We're Yo MTG Taps. Stop bitching, start brewing. EOMTG Taps is available every Friday on StarCityGames.com. Visit our website, IWantMyMTG.com, for past episodes, t-shirts, free stickers, and more. You can contact us at YoMTGTaps at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at YoMTGTaps. Adrian Sullivan, you heard me right.